Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss Botena Go Amok. Botena Go rears its ugly head. Next up, Return of the Mac Malware. Researchers uncover a dangerous new Mac malware. And of course, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 110, recorded on January 31st, 2022. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, pun it around LaBelle. With me, co-host Taylor, less malware, more power, Wilkes Pierce, and last but not least, Tim, macho, macho helming. Well, what's up? Hello, hello. Happy to be here, Kelsey. I think I'm feeling like with uh, Botana Go, it should be almost re-rears its ugly head, right? Because it feels a little deja vu-ish. Yeah, it's But I guess true. we'll find out more about that later. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, absolutely. And Tim, did I um, sing that to your specifications there for that your That was intro? perfect. Okay. That was perfect. They, you know, I, uh, I am of a certain age where, of course, I remember the original. And then I remember some Disney version where it was macho, macho, duck. Um, <gasps> <laughs> and I don't remember what that came from. It was whether it was a commercial or it was some Donald Duck uh, episode or something. I don't know. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm, I'm curious how that song holds up, you know? I think it might have different words these days. Yeah, it very well might be. <laughs> I, I don't think I've actually listened to it in quite a while. Yeah, it's it's not made a, a comeback, I don't think. That's so, uh, but, Tim, Macho Duck is the fifth track on the 1979 album Mickey Mouse Disco. Oh, there you go. Okay. I did not own that album, but I think I remember basically the ads for it. I don't. Oh we know We know what's on the record player right now. Come on. Tim. <laughs> well, I Tim. might have to go on eBay and find a copy of it at this point. Do it for the pod. <laughs> a totally worthy investment. Well, should we discuss the world of InfoSec from this past week, folks? You mean instead of just doing a village people uh, review episode? This week on Kids Bop takes on Disney songs, takes on other songs with Breaking Badness. Right. I mean, we gotta, you know, we should consider diversifying. We love the InfoSec stuff, but I mean, we'll talk about anything. <laughs> I think we have this conversation at the beginning of every, beginning of every podcast. We're going to need to have a, like a subject a day. And then this just, you know, Mondays is just the day we happen to record about InfoSec. I think that's the natural progression we're facing here. I think we could do a sneakers versus hackers podcast. Snackers. That would be excellent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, movie reviews, song reviews, all of it. I, we, we can certainly include the InfoSec angle on all of those things. I think it's usually my fault. I think I usually bring up the, uh, the off-topic items. I don't know why I do that. <laughs> I think we all You got to keep me on task here. <laughs> Taylor, could we call that podcast Sketchers? I think there's something there. <laughs> or that's the rating I, system. Oh, I don't know. 
number of bad hacking scenes out of out of out of 10 <laughs> oh my gosh well all right let's let's talk about botan go which always sounds like a delicious tropical drink to me um but it's not what it is unfortunately <laughs> so this this malware which we've talked about before in the podcast was recently uploaded to github making its malicious code available to all. They've democratized it, if you will, unfortunately. And uh, Taylor, I think we covered this maybe episode 103. It was back in November. And so can you just refresh our listeners on this this malware in particular? Yeah. You know, I think I might have been on. I know I heard that one. I might have been on that one. I don't remember. Um, but uh, yes, it, it has certainly come back around again. Uh, Bettina Go is... Uh, a, a little uh, bit of malware written in Golang or Go, uh, the open source programming language started by Google. Uh, this you know, kind of particular little bit of malware loves to infect uh, IoT devices and routers. So, you know, kind of internet facing stuff that can be scanned via Shodan and, and you know, you can get these large lists of, hey, here's a million uh, routers that are, uh, you know, that this thing could break into right now and, and have these, um, you know, kind of large scale scanning devices that are they're looking for ports and for devices that are running um, you know, the the bits of software that this, that uh, Patina Go can go after. So yeah, it's like DVRs, uh, routers, CCTV devices, um, stuff that accidentally gets kind of exposed to the internet when, when it you know, might probably shouldn't be, uh, and, and this stuff can uh, has a lot of exploit uh, like codes written for it already that are kind of built in like a Swiss Army knife for for getting into that stuff. And so, uh, the AT and T Alien Vault Labs folks, I think that's right, were uh, they discovered this back in November, and then recently discovered that the uh, that the source code, all kind of twenty nine hundred lines of it, is but has been sitting on GitHub since the middle of October. So just kind of sitting there, hanging out, uh, and and now uh, you know you you can make it your very own if you want. Roll your own botana go. Well, that's the problem, right? <laughs> How do we stop this botana go? Um, yeah, that's, that's certainly the topic of discussion as of late of that source code being available. And on the AV side of the house, now especially that we know that this is publicly available to any and every person that has some level of sophistication, in the time between when this was discovered by Alien Vault back in November and now, has there been any improvement by these uh, antivirus vendors in detecting Botana Go? Not a ton of improvement. Um, you know, part of this is that, uh, you know, because it's written in Go, not a lot of stuff is looking for that. Uh, other parts of it is the, the stuff that gets attacked isn't necessarily stuff that, uh, you know, you're, you're going to have a lot of visibility on it. it. Could be home routers, home DVRs, network attack storage, uh, again CCTV stuff like that, um, where you know it's tough to kind of get in between that stuff in the internet if someone set it up and just let it out there, <laughs> let it talk to the wild like that. So um, no, we're not we're not getting a whole lot better at uh, picking it up. But uh, you know the the good news is it's going to get a lot worse now that people can just take it and make it their own. <laughs> yeah, and. Something that seems to have surfaced from the source code is that one of the variants of Botana Go 
is using some new infrastructure. Am I understanding that right? Yeah, so they saw a uh, command and control listener set up on a bit of infrastructure that was also uh, kind of, it was dumped in an IOC list of stuff that was probing for log4j exploit. Um, you know, that's kind of, it's mildly interesting. I think that that a, a lot of malicious stuff was probing for log4j exploits. <laughs> uh, and, you know, with how ephemeral infrastructure is, it can be tough to tie those activities to one another, but it certainly is interesting, um, you know, and they could be linked. It, it, that'd be a bad combination for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a good point about the infrastructure being ephemeral, I think. A tagline that we've used pretty frequently is uh, rent an IP by a domain. And so just the, the, sh the constant shifting of that badness is hard to, to keep your thumb over if that's the right idiom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just tough because, uh, you know, the log4j thing is so broad and so large that there's just, a, you know, when you look at those giant lists of IOCs from that, you're just seeing a lot of activity from all over the place all at once. So what, what can an organization or a security team do to minimize risk here? And how much risk are we really talking about? Yeah, again, it's, it's if you have a good grasp on everything that's, that's reaching out and, and you know, you're taking your IoT stuff and you know, keeping it w away from the internet, uh, then your susceptibility to this is not great. So you're probably okay, right? But like, you know, that's tricky because as we see, like the the vendors may stop patching things, um, or they're, uh, you know, you may be waiting for patches from vendors for a long period of time. So, yeah, you know, I think the you know, maintain minimal exposure of this stuff to the internet. I think is the the biggest thing that you can do, and then and then wherever possible, if it has to be, you know, make sure that um, you know that you, that you're patching and updating as quickly as possible. Patching is not advice we typically give on this podcast, is it? No. That's pretty. Uh, pretty <laughs> I've never <easy>. heard it before. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my> gosh! <laughs> Let me go snooze this OS update. Hang on. <laughs> I will say on the OS update for your iPhones, my mother-in-law was showing me the other day her, her iPhone, and they have a strange new functionality that I don't think was tested much. And it's you know when you when you hold down. Um, a finger in a text box. Like if you're texting someone, there's copy and paste and a number of things that you can play with there. Now she was just saying paste and insert. And insert was, we were trying to figure out what was happening, but it was trying to pull um, any kind of letters or words mm -hmm. from wherever we're pointing it. And it was just <laughs> completely inaccurate. <laughs> It was uh, oh, it was good. fascinating, yeah. But I'm sure autocorrect will fix that. Right? <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> they're very powerful. But uh, that was an that was an interesting thing. Got some good chuckles out of that, I'll say, uh, because we didn't we didn't understand what was happening, and my mother in law was just pointing the phone at her daughter, and it was just describing her with utter nonsense, and I was like, what the heck is happening? It yeah, was entertaining. I will say the cool, like pulling the text out of pictures, like pulling serial numbers off of stickers, a little bit of equipment is, that's great. <laughs> I really love that. <laughs> if yeah. you had to write down a bunch of serial numbers, um, yeah, that, that, that makes life a lot easier. Yeah. What's Kellogg's serial number? Ooh. Oh. 
Well, it depends, right, on how they're doing against General Mills. It's usually probably number one or two. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe three in a bad week. (laughs) Well, Taylor, I mean, this I know this is a quicker discussion than we typically have, but there wasn't a whole lot unearthed because it really was bolted on to the previous discovery there of this malware. I'm just curious on the hoodie rating scale. I'll go to you first this time. What would you rate this at? Zero being, it's nothing to nothing to be worried about, and 10 would be the exact opposite. It's nothing to sneeze at. Something's on fire. Stop listening to the podcast and go fix it now. Where do you think <laughs> this really lies? Well, I want people to keep listening to the podcast, so I'm not going to say 10. I think that would be bad. That would be <laughs> we bad don't, for We're not us supposed if, to say people, that out loud, Taylor. That's, well, we would save this one for the last discussion, and then they've already heard everything. Oh, that's smart. That's smart. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, you know, this is probably... I'll go six hoodies and then like a full half a hoodie, right? Um, so like back and sleeve and then even half of the hood and everything. Half of the hoodie. Okay, six so and like half. down the hoodie, <laughs> like centered, not like yeah. a crop top I mean, hoodie. It's it's so modular. It's a you know, it, it, it evades detection pretty well. Uh, I think the like the the stuff that it targets, the profile is pretty low, you know, but it's lots of like, if you're going to see this used to uh, propagate like, you know, credential harvesting stuff, uh, you know, like uh, DDoSs and, and all kinds of stuff. And that's going to be really annoying. <laughs> yes. It's totally modular, dude. Uh, <laughs> Tim, what would you rate this at? Well, I'm going to go. I'm going to go right in the middle. I'm going to say five. And the reason I'm not putting it higher, maybe because I'm less smart than uh, Taylor, which is obviously true. Uh, (laughs) And but it also could be I'm thinking a couple things. First of all, um, in the grand scheme of things, it takes Mirai, for example, has to do something really extraordinary for it even to be a big deal. And, And that's kind of scary because it used to be that, you know, Remember when we hit a terabyte of traffic in a DDoS and it was mm-hmm. just like nobody could understand that. And now that's just a snooze. Nobody even notices. It doesn't make the news. Um, but DDoS is compared to other kinds of compared to log for shell. You know, let's let's put it in perspective. Log for shell is obviously a 10. Um, and uh, this one. I don't know. It, it remains to be seen. Now, I will say that as far as the IoT devices and whatnot go, um, Taylor was 100% correct in, in everything that people should be doing about those. But, you know, the tricky thing is that sometimes even well-intentioned shops that want to patch their IoT devices can't always do it. There are, there are sometimes problems with that, um, including uh, issues of breaking devices when you update them mm-hmm. and, and devices that you that you cannot easily reach if they happen to have a problem during an update and so it's you know it's complicated it's it can be a little bit more fraught than patching your desktop environment and and whatnot or mobile devices but anyway um yeah i think i think it sort of it remains to be seen i hope and i expect that the detection rate will go up now that, you know, we know more about this thing. So, uh, but we'll see. So I don't know. I'm sort of hedging basically by making it a five. That was a really long winded uh, answer. No, that was great, Tim. And that's a great point too. Now that the source code is (laughs) democratized. Um, Hopefully that does help 
AV vendors get a little bit of a, a leg up there that they didn't have previously. Perhaps some bizarre silver lining. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's shift into our second topic du jour, which is return of the Mac malware. Um, so researchers have uncovered sophisticated, novel macOS malware that is b- dangerous and difficult to detect. So this shiny new malware is nothing to sneeze at. Not that I'm trying to bias those hoodie ratings. But before we discuss details surrounding the malware, um, unlike the title I created for this, this discussion, it sounds like Mac malware has picked up speed in recent years. So I'm just curious, Tim, if you have any thoughts on this pattern or examples of particular malware that you find or that you might be interested in sharing. Well, first off, uh, Kelsey, I'm going to just ask, you know, is I'm worried that allergy season might be upon us because you've mentioned a couple different times that uh, these things are nothing to sneeze at. So clearly, by contrast, there are things to sneeze at. So hopefully, <laughs> you know, those pollen counts aren't too high where you are. Yeah, it's later in the spring when it really gets crazy, right? But okay, back to <laughs> Mac malware. So, you know, as I think about this, it, it, it reminds me of the adoption of IPv6, which is that, you know, it's really about to get huge. We absolutely this time we're certain of it. It kind of feels that way with Mac malware also. And I just, as a curiosity, I kind of looked up, I looked at the Wikipedia page. There's a Wikipedia page on Mac malware. And you know, like you don't even have to scroll. It's like an all above the fold page. Now, I'm not saying that Wikipedia is the be all end all source of information about malware. (gasps) But on the other hand, you know, yeah, sorry. Uh, (laughs) But but that does kind of give you a a little bit of a, a hint. I mean, there's just not nearly as much Mac malware as there is Windows malware out there. But there have been some somewhat high profile pieces of malware targeting Mac OS. And you would expect that uh, because they've got huge market share. So why wouldn't there be? Also, you know, in the a few years ago, it was just uh, accepted as canon that Mac was much more secure than Windows. And that's probably still, they still have a uh, an advantage, but it's not as much of an advantage as it used to be over Windows. Windows has gotten way, way better. Um, so anyway, you know, there's a variety of malware out there in the categories that you'd expect. There's backdoors, Trojans, keyloggers, adware, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, as you would also expect, office macros are still one of the most popular ways to infect Mac OS. Go figure. But good news on our last two truths and a lie that some of those are a little bit more disabled on the, the macro front. I know. I was, th- I was thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> good thing that was the truth. Thank God. Absolutely. <laughs> well, fast forwarding to the present, um, a firm known as ESET discovered this malware, which they dubbed Dazzle Spy, which I just want to pause for people to take that in. What did they find? And is the logo of this bedazzled? Yeah, I was just going to say that, that I certainly hope that they are, you know, ESET is producing bedazzled swag for this malware. So, okay. So this seems to be one of the most sophisticated Mac malware packages that we've seen so far. It's a multi-stage application. It exploits several vulnerabilities and it is effective. It's hard to detect and hard to remove. So 
You know, it's kind of a Swiss army knife, although I think we should update that analogy to be Leatherman tool, you know, because I think there's, that's, that's really the standard for a multi-purpose device for, uh, physical, physical. Yeah, I think you're right. Manipulation, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, it's a Leatherman tool and, uh, it can do device fingerprinting and screen captures and file uploads and downloads and run terminal commands and record your audio. And although the article I was looking at didn't say it could turn on your webcam, why not assume that it can do that too? And uh, key logging. So, you know, it's, uh, it's got a lot of functions. You know, on the turning on the webcam front, I've been wondering a lot more recently with the pandemic, if that is a more pervasive problem right now, because I feel like historically in the before times, people just cover their webcam. Because why would you, you're seeing right. a human being right. in front of you. And that has certainly shifted over the last few years for some odd reason. Um, but I wonder yeah. if that's picking up speed at all again, given the, the circumstances. Right. Well, not only that, people are less, probably they're more used to seeing the little light turned on. They see it on most of the day in a lot of cases. So it's just not going to stand out to you. I mean, there was a point in the past, you're right, where it was like, why do they even include webcams? I mean, all they do is provide an attack surface. I never use them. And now, now that's different. Tim, the way you describe everything as a little inter here is so funny to me. Like when we used to play ping pong in the office, Tim would always describe the net as that little fence thing. <laughs> yes. And I love that, that it's little the fence little fence. <laughs> that dark in the little of fence. The <laughs> Who put that there? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, do the researchers from ESET have any thoughts on who may be behind this malware out of curiosity? Well, I mean, this is pretty sophisticated. So they're assuming that it is the work of a well-resourced group, so probably state-sponsored. But it doesn't seem to carry any of those heralds uh, that, that make it really obvious. You know, the way some of the malwares, for example, have code that says don't execute if there is a Russian language keyboard installed on the machine. Uh, that we don't see any flags like that um, that tell us much about who this is. However, the victimology might tell us a little bit about that, so we'll probably come around to that a little later. I really wish, and I, I feel like I've requested this before, but it's not been enacted. I really want the industry standard for any state-sponsored attack for a like a NASCAR jacket with a patch on the back for who it's sponsored by would just be extremely helpful. If we could just skip to that. That's a good point. I mean, if we could see, well, you know, we don't get to see the folks that are working on these malwares very often, except in the photos where they're posing with their Lambos in Monte Carlo. (laughs) And you're right. They're not wearing those jackets in those pictures, but maybe they just, maybe that's because that's a work uniform and they're not wearing their work uniform while they're posing with their Lambo. Or the Lambo thing is their work uniform. Well, that's possible too. In which case, you know, the uh, the the NASCAR jacket with the sponsored by is just hanging up in the closet um, ah. at, with with all the other vendor swag. <laughs> oh gosh! Well, Tim, how does this malware work, and and how is it delivered other than by Lambo? Right. So, well, you know, we at Domain Tools find this one interesting because Dazzle Spy is delivered via watering hole attacks. Uh, with malicious or hacked websites. And I think, by the way, it's mostly malicious so far that we've seen. Purpose-built 
websites to to uh, infect folks. So it drops the website will drop the initial loader, and that exploits a code execution vulnerability in WebKit, uh, which is Safari's browser engine. So you know we can see in this the importance of detecting malicious domains as early in the process as possible, which is like what we all work on when we're not busy podcasting around here. Wait, you're telling me you do something other than this podcast for your work? Oh, uh oh. I might have just gotten myself in trouble with Kelsey. Oh my <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well what what happens once this malware is installed? Okay. So the sequence of events goes like this. So the script on the domain, the malicious or hack domain checks for the installed macOS version, and then it redirects the victim to the next stage if their browsers are running on macOS 10.15.2. So don't patch that, Macam, or newer. Uh, no, just kidding. You should patch it. By the way, Apple, I'm going to stop and say Apple has patched all the vulnerabilities involved in this, so it is a good idea to update. Anyhow, the next stage runs a series of JavaScript files, uh, which basically gain the ability to read and write to memory, uh, by first leaking the memory address of an object and then creating a fake JavaScript object from a specific memory object. And so that means that you, now you've got the situation where there are two arrays that overlap in memory and that allows it to set a pointer that references a memory location where a malicious executable named Macho, where'd we hear that before today, can be run. So <laughs> what does Macho do? Well, it downloads a file from the URL that's supplied as an argument, so basically command and control, right? It, it decrypts that and it writes it to a temp directory um, in airport AirD, uh, which and makes it executable. And so now it's got privilege es escalation, right? So it uses that uh, a privilege uh, a privilege escalation exploit to remove the com.apple.quarantine attribute from the file so that avoids uh, asking the user to confirm the launch of this executable, so making it invisible, right? Hard for the user to detect. And then it uses the same privilege escalation to launch the next stage. And at this point, it has root privileges. So, you know, they've, they've got the keys to the kingdom. And so once it's installed, the Mac is fully backdoored and, again, uh, it seems to be pretty hard to detect and hard to clean. So you're in the hurt locker once you get to that stage. Ah, uh, the hurt locker. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound Not to great. be confused with the Goga locker, but that's also a form of hurt locker. <laughs> There's so many little little things to quote you, Tim, in the hurt locker, we could say, or that caused one to be in the hurt locker. Uh, well, my final question for you, Tim, is really... Is there a sense of who is being targeted, speaking of victimology, with this malware? Um, or do we even have a sense of the scale or the DEF CON level, if you will? Right. So, well, DEF CON's still a few months away, but um, <laughs> I'm sure that there'll be one. Uh, right now, this seems to be fairly narrow, in fact, quite narrow in the targeting. It seems to be targeting pro-democracy activists um, for Hong Kong. And in fact, one of the domains that was identified as being part of this was um, had HK democracy in the or amnesty HK rather dot uh, org. So that gives us a little bit of a hint. It does not seem to be super widespread at this point. Having said that, this thing is so seemingly effective um, that. I would not be surprised if it spread. I mean, if you're if you're trying to 
get at a fairly large victim base, why wouldn't you want to use this thing um, more widely? So it may it may get out there. We may see more of it. But right now, your individual odds of getting infected with this probably aren't super high. Just like the beginning of, uh, oh my gosh, what is that? What does that show? The truth is out there. The malware is out there. Oh, that's the X-Files, right? The X-Files, yes. This would be the malware files. The malware is out there. Um, <laughs> for our reality television show that we're adding on to um, the Breaking Badness podcast. Our next venture, surely. It's unfortunate that it has to be a reality show. It's too bad that any show about malware isn't just purely fiction. That's true. Oh, gosh. Um, hopefully one day we get to a space where it's, we have boneware, like B-O-N, like French, not bad anymore. Good, good wear. Um, <laughs> pow, wear. Oh my gosh. If only you would have said that earlier, Taylor. <laughs> well, Tim, I'll start with you. What would you rate this at hoodie wise? This one's, uh, it's kind of tricky because if it got to be wide scale, the hoodie rating would be way higher. So in terms of the, like the actual capability of the malware, it's kind of high, but the targeting is really narrow. So those are offsetting factors. So I think I'm going to go with four. No, I'm going to go higher. I'm going to go with five, just like my earlier one. Same thing. Like if this, if this really got out and became... Uh, widespread, then we'd have a bigger problem. Now, granted, Mac has patched uh, the vulns that seem to be associated with this, so um, so that's that kind of helps mitigate it. But we know that there will be a lot of down rev versions um, out there. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to go with five. It's a five-ish kind of day for you, Tim. <laughs> How about you, Taylor? <laughs> I, you know, because it has to be so targeted. Uh, for for me, it's, that's four. It's interesting uh, in the capabilities. It seems like it, it'd be tough to really scale. Um, but yeah, certainly one to keep an eye on. I will say that the ESET booth really needs to have some type of dazzle spy kind of vendor swag <laughs> if there's ever another security conference ever. Dazzle spy. Although a missed opportunity for them. They could, they could give out branded bedazzlers. Oh, they could be Dazzle things for you. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of options there. I mean, Dazzle Spy could be like, you know, James Bond, but with everything that he wears has sequins all over it, right? Mm. Yep. (laughs) We're onto something. Probably wouldn't be out of place on the Mickey Mouse 1979 (laughs) disco. Hey! And all the threads are tying together. (laughs) To make a beautiful sequins jacket. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, thank you, Tim and Taylor, for your terrific talking about I can't go any further with the alliteration. I'm sorry, folks. Um, Thanks for for, thanks for those discussions. And I think it's time to shift into our weekly game, Two Truths and a Lie, which is not dissimilar from the game you all grew to love a fascinating psychological way to meet strangers and have them deceive you off the bat. But in this case, rather than um, sharing lies and truths about ourselves, we do so about um, topics of discussion from the week, so mostly articles. And so this week, Taylor is going to share, as the host, three statements, two of which are true, one of which is a lie. And Tim and I are going to try to find 
the lie. And of course, there's a point system. And there are winners. And there are liars. Who actually are the winners, typically, I think, unfortunately. Well, Taylor, are you ready to blow Tim and I away? Yes. Yes, we have. uh, I've got two truths and one lie for y'all. Okay, here we go. The first headline is North Korea's Lazarus APT leverages Windows Update Client GitHub in latest campaign. Second one is FreeBSD malware distributed via Gopher protocol. And the third one is Zerodium increases bounties on Outlook exploits from $250,000 to $450,000. These ain't bad, Taylor. I like these. These are good. What's that? Yeah. Hmm. Gosh, I don't know. For me, this might be a shot in the dark. Tim, are you having any gut feelings here? I think I have an I have a leaning. I have a leaning, which, you know, we'll see. Um, hmm. I'm going to go for Gopher. And the reason I'm going to go for Gopher is that <laughs> Gopher is such an old protocol. I got to assume it would be a pr- pretty crummy way to spread anything these days because it probably gets egress filtered to say nothing of ingress filtered like in 99% of places. So I would think it would be a very uh, inefficient way to spread a um, spread malware. But, you know, I could be way, way off the mark. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to go for Gopher. I'm also going to go for Gopher just so I can say go for Gopher. Oh. You guys yeah. got me. But, well but done, I Tim. hear there's a really <laughs> wicked one on Archie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, let's see. What's our what's our update? So uh, we do our scores in binary. Um, and so currently, um, I'm really good at lying, which is not something I guess I'm proud of. Um <laughs> But uh, Tim, you are our second in line there. And then Taylor, you are a bronze medalist right now. But you're oh still boy. on the podium with us all. You know, we're all we're on the podium together in our podium pants. That's right. Everybody's getting sprayed with the champagne here. So don't worry. That's right. That's what I'm doing at the end of every episode. <laughs> I don't know if, if you two are doing that, but that's uh, that's how we end every episode. Oh. People just can't hear it. Yeah. Really? I do it if I manage to get a point in Two Truths and a Lie, which definitely does not always happen. Well, then let's hear the champagne pop. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Wow, that was that was really good. Was was that a? uh, (laughs) Are you playing with a small basketball, Tim? (laughs) Okay, yeah, yeah, it's a basketball. (laughs) Never mind. Oh gosh. Well, hey folks, that is our show for the week. We will be taking a week off because we have some other exciting news coming out on the domain tools side. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back for episode 111, 111 on the, let's see, it will be February 16th. And if you are listening to this, the day it goes out, it's 2-2-22. Very special day. So be sure to enjoy that. Have two of everything. Groundhog day. Oh my gosh. Will do. I feel like we just. I wonder that. if Bill Murray ever listens to the t- podcast. Well, him and Tom Hanks feel like they'd be friends, so I can only imagine he does. I would think so. Yeah, Maybe they probably listen together. Yeah, he gets his recos 
from Tom. Uh, Bill and Tom, if you wouldn't mind uh, retweeting, that would be a, you know. By the way, <laughs> since this is so topical and important information to give to everybody, uh, somebody, many somebody's probably, somebody figured out that they could slightly modify Abe Lincoln on a $5 bill and make him look an awful lot like Bill Murray. And it <laughs> says, they wrote on the example I saw, they wrote $5 Bill Murray. <laughs> so just saying. Yay. Something to look out for. Every episode should end with something fun from the internet. <laughs> it gives me hope <laughs> that the internet is worth it. This could be fun writing your change at 7-Eleven. Ooh. Hmm. Something to think about. <laughs> the thing is, if it gets to be enough of these Bill Murray defacements, the Secret Service gets involved. And then <laughs> it's true. This is why we can't have nice things. All right, folks, I hope you have a great two weeks. We'll be back for episode 111 here on the 16th of February. Don't drink and click, and we'll see you then. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. I said good day, sir. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.